So uh, up next, we obviously have Bob. Uh, we have been really intrigued to hear Bob listening. And uh, Bob will be uh, you know, answering your customers' three quest critical questions. You know, Why change, why you, and why now? So this is what Bob is going to talk about with us today. Over to you, Bob. We are listening to it. Hey, thank you for the introduction and welcome to everybody. Uh, welcome from Javier in sunny Spain. Uh, where we've relocated our office uh, for the summer season. Anyway, I've got a different topic um, that, uh, than the one we've just been hearing about, and it's really related to uh, B2B uh, enterprise class sales, where the three questions that your customers are going to most frequently need to have answered before they're willing to make any change are why change, why you and why now? So I'll now just start sharing my screen. Um, I'd like a thumbs up to make sure that uh, we've got that. Are we good with that? Excellent. So your customers, three critical questions. What are they and how can we deal with them? So the first one, why should they change? It's very interesting, actually, if you analyze competitive activity in most complex B2B sales, the number one competitor isn't another vendor. It is the status quo. The customer wasn't persuaded to do anything different. The second question, why you? And the third critical question, why now? And actually in complex business to business sales, we need to answer all three questions. So what's the structure for doing it? Well, I want to share a concept with you that's been highly effective in a variety of B2B environments. And that's not having a generic value proposition, but actually creating a customer specific outcome centric value story. Well, how do we do that? Well, it's all and this is a theme that's going to run through this entire session of mine, a question of contrast. Contrast drives change. So how do we try and answer the question, why should they change? And I think we can all recognize whenever the contrast between our current situation and a desired future state is low or narrow, we're likely to stick with what we're familiar with. So contrast is critical. But when the contrast between the current situation and where we want to get to is high, we and our customers are far more likely to recognize the need for change. So how do we do this? Well, the first thing we need to do, and it may not be obvious to them, so there's some work on our part, is to help them to recognize that their current situation or direction is actually far more risky and dangerous than they might have realized. And then we need to balance that and contrast that and help them to see that their future potential, if only they could rise to the challenge, is far more attractive than they may even have realized. But that's not enough because if they see a big gap between where they are and when they want to get to, and they think they can do it themselves, they're unlikely to need our help. So the third element of why they should change 
is helping them to see the obstacles that lie in their path, the obstacles that we can help them remove. And last, but by no means least, in any complex B2B sale, unless the costs and consequences of inaction, the dangers of staying as they are, unless those costs and consequences are significant, they will probably stick with the status quo. So four elements of answering why change, current situation, future uh, outcomes, obstacles, and cost of inaction. So now we've helped them convince themselves that they do need to change, that it's time to change. Why should they choose us? Well, we need to master three additional elements here. Firstly, we need to understand all of the other options that they might be considering. And those options might not be other vendors that look exactly like us. They might well be completely different ways of solving the business problem. They're all in the mix and we need to understand what's in play. Secondly, we need to have a really clear articulation of what it is that sets our approach apart from all of their other potential choices. This is not a matter of having a longer or better feature list than our competitors. That's very rarely a winning game. What we need to do is to help them understand how the way we approach solving the problem is different from their other options. And then the third element of satisfying them that we're the right choice is being able to present unique benefits that our organization can give them at an organizational level to key functions and to the individual key stakeholders. So why us? What are their options? How is our approach different? How are our benefits better? But even if we've answered those first two questions completely effectively, they may still desire they may still uh, de decide to defer their decision till later. So the third element, the third question is why they should act now. And there are two components to this. The first one is that we need to, together with them, build a strong business case, an urgent business case. What's the projected return on investment and why do they need to start now? And the problem really needs to be strategically relevant, tactically urgent, and something where we can prove rapid time to value. And then the last element, but by no means the least, is simply the whole question of how do they get confident in making the decision? What evidence can we share with them to make them confident that the time to act is now and the decision to make is to work with us to help them address their business challenges and opportunities. So if you think about the complete value story, there are four elements to mastering why they should change. Current situation, future outcomes, obstacles, cost of inaction. There are three elements to why they should choose us. Solution options, unique approach, unique benefits, and then the third element, why should they act now? Uh, the business case and decision confidence. Now, so uh, how do we build this customer-centric, outcome-specific value story? Well, uh, we've created a template, a simple one-page template 
It's not something you're typically complete in a single conversation with the customer, but it's something you'd build up progressively through your discussions with the stakeholders in the customer so you have a really compelling value story. And we'll be uh, offering a chance to download this link um, at the end of this webinar. And that simple template is backed by simple guidance so that anybody um, answering or filling in that template across your sales organization has got a consistent view of how to make sure they articulate the maximum value. So it's outcome specific, it's customer centric, and it's a question of contrast. And there we are, how to answer the three critical questions in complex B2B sales. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Bob. Thank you so much for the presentation. We'll take up the questions quickly that we have. The first question here that we have is, uh, how often should I revise my script? Do I measure its effectiveness? How do I measure its effectiveness? Well, <laughs> I'll give you my first reaction. I am no fan of rigid scripts. I'm much more a fan of flexible frameworks. So uh, actually, I would suggest you need to revise your script in every call, because if you're in a complex B2B sales environment, I understand that might not be true in B2C sales, you need to do your research before you pick up the phone or before you reach out with email. So you need to revise your script every time. And regarding the uh, measuring of the effectiveness, how do we do that? Well, in, in simple sales, you, are, you either get to the a win or a loss fairly quickly, don't you? But right. in complex B2B sales, the key thing to look for is, have I made an advance? And what I, what I mean by an advance is not the number of calls I make or the number of conversations I have. It's the number of times the customer agrees to do something which shows us that they're moving forward in their buying process. So the most effective metric is not our activity, but the customer's advances. Right. Correct. So the next question that we have, uh, Bob, is how to sound value-driven without losing focus on deal closure? Well, again, what I'd say to you, if you're in a complex business environment, um, if you're not demonstrating value, you haven't got much chance of getting a closure of the deal. So it's not an either-or, it's both and that your chances, again, this is all in a complex B2B environment that might include multiple stakeholders, might be a lengthy sale, is you need to be creating value step-by-step step throughout the process. And then actually you're on target for getting the outcome you want, which is not just a sales win, but a happy customer. Next question that we have uh, is, what are the signs that convey walk away instead of ruining the relationship? Well, of course, you have to have a relationship to start with, don't you? But I, I think the, the, the walk away signs are, yeah, you should never be pitching your product. You should be trying to understand what the customer's wanting to achieve, what their objectives, what their challenges, what their opportunities are, and seeing whether you can help them achieve them. And frankly, if you can't, if you're just trying to sell them something and not try to help them solve a business issue, that to me would be a point to walk away. Right, correct. 
Okay, so the next question that we have is, uh, what are the metrics that helps us to understand ICP before we ask them uh, the three critical questions? Yes, well, I'd want to be doing some research before I start the conversation. And, uh, you know, we're in a much better position in the sales environment than we were many years ago with the amount of published information about potential customers. And I'd be wanting to understand what their key priorities are, what their key business initiatives are, and whether there have been any trigger events. So a trigger event might be an appointment of a new senior person with responsibility in the area we're targeting. That's an excellent stimulus. Or the customer might have uh, announced a competitive change of direction. Or there may be competitive activity in their marketplace, or there may be new regulation. What we're looking for is something that starts to upset the status quo. And that's a great catalyst for then having the sort of three whys conversation that we've been talking about. Right, understood. So the next question uh, is on personalization. So it's asked, personalization is always a better way to connect uh, them with customers. How to improvise the script or should I even follow a script? Well, uh, as I've said, I'm, I'm no great fan of a rigid script. And partly, part of the reason for that is we need to be adapting every time we get a reaction from the customer. If we just pursue a rigid script without regard to what the customers just said, that's obviously problematic. Okay. So what I prefer, what I work with clients on, is a flexible framework. I sometimes use a mind map rather than a list. Uh, and the benefit of using a mind map is that you can sort of follow whichever way the conversation goes. Mm. Uh, you don't have to always ask the questions in the same way, right. but you have something in front of you that gives you a guide. Yeah. I understand. I understand. So the next question is like pretty interesting. Uh, outbound based on ICP versus inbound based on interest. Who are likely to convert and why? Well, uh, again, an excellent question. So if somebody's come to us inbound with an obvious interest, that certainly ought to, might suggest that they're a more advanced stage in their buying cycle. So the first thing we need to do is to understand where they are in their decision-making cycle. Are they just exploring? Are they defining what they need? Or are they in the selection phase? Because that will then help us judge where we might want to take the value conversation. And I always ask to anybody who's reached out to us, the first critical question is, what caused you to reach out to us? Now, the benefits of using an ICP, an ideal customer profile in outbound, are that we might be able to intercept the customer at an earlier stage in their buying journey. And that, if we're skillful, gives us a chance to influence their thinking more than we perhaps could if we're simply reacting to an inbound. But right. both are very important elements of business development. I understand. So the next question that we have is from Sam. He asks, uh, live demo versus demo video content, what should be the mix and how to place it in B2B business? Yeah, the question of demo is really interesting. So uh, I think there are three types of demo that you might be able to run, all of which, by the way, um, you can very effectively run over the sort of Zoom conversation that we're having now. Right. Uh, you can have a, a solution 
demo. Uh, actually, let me start the other way around. You can have a product demo, a concept demo, or a solution demo. And a product demo is basically we just turn up and walk them through the product. You haven't done any discovery. You don't really know what they're looking for. So it's all a bit random, frankly. A conceptual demo just gives them an overview of what your potential solution could do. And that can be great to stimulate a conversation about their needs. And a solution demo, in my mind, the most powerful, can really only be done once you've completed your discovery. Because you need to know what to show them, not just a laundry list of everything that you can do. You need to be able to say, you told me these were your three priorities. And in, the, in this demo, I want to focus specifically on how we help you address those three priorities. So discovery is really critical before uh, doing any sort of demo in a complex B2B environment. Understood. That's that was pretty detailed work. Thank you so much for the answer. So next one that we have is uh, how do we evaluate the customer might be looking for a change? What is the process? Well, um, change can be stimulated by a number of things. It might be stimulated by the fact that they already have a solution and they're unhappy with it. Or it might be stimulated by uh, a change in their circumstances. Again, a new senior appointment, a new project, a new initiative, or it might be stimulated by uh, a change in the marketplace in which they, they exist. Legislation, regulation, competitive activity. Um, now, it may be possible for us to create that change, but it is much more powerful to identify the changes that are going on in their world and connect those changes to the ways in which we can help them deal with those uh, those changes. Yeah, so we can act just to create change from scratch, but it's much more powerful to identify, and there will be many changes that are going on in any organization's world at any time, which ones are more important and that we can help them deal with. I understand. Got it. Next question that we have is, how do you respond to, we'll get back to you later? <laughs> I'd have had a better conversation before they say that with them. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll get back to you later really suggests that we've not been successful in really engaging with the customer. And I think I hear that or, you know, I listen to a lot of sales recordings when a customer's just been subjected to a sales pitch. You know, they think if they continue, if they agree to another meeting, they're just going to get another sales pitch. And who in their right mind would want to be exposed to that if they're not going to learn something useful? So I'd say the reason you're getting that answer, we'll get back to you, is you haven't convinced them that they'll learn something useful from continuing the conversation. Don't try and sell too hard too early. Educate them, inform them, intrigue them, make them see value because they're going to learn something from carrying on the conversation. Correct. So uh, I, we have like a few more questions above here. So the next one is, how do you sell a product which is a subset of a bigger uh, product available in the market already? For example, if I try to sell a new CRM today, how do I approach? You know, that's an excellent question. And many of my clients are uh, growth phase software as a service companies who uh, uh, sell uh, best-in-breed solutions 
which are often addressed by established vendors as one component of what they sell. And, and you need to understand, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, buyer personas. People talk about individuals having buyer personas, but I think companies have personas too. And, and one of the things I'd want to research is, does this company have a track record of investing in best of breed solutions in other areas? Because if they do, I've got a much better chance of succeeding right. with them. Um, if they don't have that track record, it's going to be a much harder sale. Not impossible, but we need to uh, create a particularly compelling value story if their normal mode of operation is always to go with the big brands. Right. Understood. So thank you so much, Bob. Thank you for joining us. I think that was our last question. If we have any more questions, we'll send it over to you in your mail and probably you can answer from there. If you are looking to get connected to Bob, here is his uh, contact information. You can get connected to him and ask your questions. Thank you so much, Bob, again for joining us today. Thank you for the invite and I hope the rest of the event goes very well for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, thank you for watching the recording. Do check us out at Ambrose B2B Binge for more such killer content. Also, don't forget to go to www.amplus.com and book your free demo for Amplus Enterprise version to rate your next customer.